0: Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Grab your Bible and flip to the Gospel of John, John chapter 4 to be exact. So it has been an epic couple of weeks, hasn't it? And when I say epic, I mean simultaneously the most eventful and uneventful weeks most of us have ever lived through. And at this point, we are all feeling things. Maybe... It's anxiety. Maybe you're wondering what the future will look like after this. Maybe you're worried what your bank account will look like when this is over. Maybe it's fear. Maybe you're afraid for your life or the life of loved ones. Maybe it's anger. Maybe you're frustrated about all the things that are happening and decisions that are being made that are out of your control. Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe you feel isolated from the close friends and family in time when you really need them close. If you're an extrovert like me, loneliness is real. You, You can really feel locked out from the world and necessary human connection. So all of this and much more is real. We're all feeling things. And the question I want us to have in mind as we begin today is, How am I feeling right now? How am I feeling right now during this crisis? And how am I reacting to it? So how am I feeling right now during this crisis? And how am I reacting to it? And since we're all listening to a recording right now, right? We're all sitting in the living room listening to this. We're going to do something a little untraditional. I'm going to have you pause this recording and take a few minutes to talk with your family or whoever you're, you're with about what you're feeling and how you're reacting to all what's going on. Talk about the reality of the situation and the reality of your heart. I, I know you probably have been talking about this with your family and friends or whoever you're living with, but, but I pause right now and just go there. How am I feeling right now and how am I reacting to this? If you are by yourself, uh, just take a take your journal. Or open a Word or or pages on your computer and share your fears and struggles with God. Everything you're going through is real. And I want you to voice some of those fears and struggles with those around you or to to God. So take about 5 to 10 minutes to share, share this with one another. So go ahead and press pause right now. Welcome back. Hopefully you did that exercise. And so with all of that now on our hearts right now, with all of our different emotions and reactions to COVID-19 and the stay-at-home order, let's come to our passage this morning. And in it, we're going to see someone in desperate desperate circumstances coming to Jesus. So let's join him as desperate people because we're always desperate people. And let, let's come to Jesus in His Word. So let's dive in, chapter four, verse forty-three. After the two, after the two days, He departed to Galilee. So let's pause there. And the two days are the days that Jesus spent in Samaria, right? After his conversation with the women at the well. And those were some amazing days. We talked about this last week, but listen what went down. Verse 42 tells us this. They, the Samaritans, said to the women, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, but we have heard for ourselves that we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. So this, this is beautiful because this is what we all want, right? Like we want people to get to know that Jesus is indeed the Savior of the world. And after many believed, Jesus gets up and departs to Galilee. And John wants to let us know why he says in verse forty-four. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So Jesus is leaving a successful trip, a good trip, and is going to a place where no one will honor him. So keep that in mind, and let's read the next verse. Verse forty-five says, "So when he came to Galilee." The Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he has done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So the reason Jesus is going to Galilee is because they won't honor him, yet they welcome him. And what's going on here? Is welcoming him different than honor? Well, the short answer is yes, yes. Uh, The Galileans have seen all the signs that Jesus has been performing, and they're impressed with Jesus. Some probably were at the wedding when Jesus turned water into wine. Some probably were at the temple when Jesus flipped the table. Some probably saw other signs that Jesus performed, but John did not record. In other words, Jesus is making a name for himself through signs and miracles. And because of his popularity, people want to welcome him. This is kind of like if someone famous is coming into town and people line the streets to see them. Or any time a football team drives in from a playoff game. People gather around to welcome them back, right? And John, the writer of this gospel, just flat out states why they welcome him in verse 45. He tells tells us, "Having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the at the feast, but they too had gone to the feast, so he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made water wine. So signs at the feast, water wine, and, and maybe he will do this again. Maybe maybe he will will get to see this." famous cat perform so they welcome him but we know that Jesus sees right through this he, he knows that they don't believe in him for he for who he truly is in chapter 2 verse 23 and 24 uh, John told us people believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing but Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in that. In other words, he knows why they are welcoming him. They are welcoming him because he has done some signs. They are welcoming him because he's a performer in their eyes. Not Jesus who is the Son of God. Not Jesus who is God became flesh. Not Jesus who turns purification jars full of water into wine to usher a new age when He is He is the one who purifies us. That's not who they are welcoming. They are welcoming Jesus as a genie who who will snap his fingers and make their life better. Maybe he will make them more wine. And you can just kind of imagine that they're all out there line up to see him with their Aquafina bottles. Just in case he pulls another water to wine miracle. They don't see Jesus as their sovereign king who rules and reigns all things. And in other words, they are welcoming the idea of Jesus who can cure. They're welcoming the idea of Jesus who can get them things. They welcome him as a, as a healer, but they don't honor him as a king. And The question for us is, do we welcome Jesus simply because we want his stuff? Or do we want him to be the God who walks with us? The one who cleanses us from inside out and puts his spirit in us? The one who convicts us and changes us and moves us to worship him? Do you see the difference between honor and welcome? Have you welcomed Jesus to improve your life or do you honor him with your life? Do you want him or his stuff? Do you want him or what he can do for you? The Galileans basically want what Jesus can give them, but they don't really want Jesus himself, the true Savior of the world. And knowing this, right, so everything we just talked about, knowing this, we walk into another story. In the village of Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. And so who's this official? who's this official this word can be translated as a noble man or a king's man and so so most likely this means that he it was a royal official in king herod's service he had probably great influence around him he was a leader of men he was most likely a gentile and just like the rest of the galileans he he too had probably heard many things that Jesus is doing and and has done, right? Or signs that, that Jesus has performed. He, he too has heard about this. And the next verse tells us, So when this official heard that Jesus has come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was, he was at a point of death. Verse 48 says, So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. So let's stop here. So this powerful man comes to Jesus and asks Jesus to wave his wand to perform another miracle. And Jesus says something slightly harsh. Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. You see, this powerful man is representing the people of Galilee. The the way they are welcoming Jesus and wanting Jesus for his signs, but not really honoring him or fully understanding who he actually is. But what we don't see right away is that this man is a desperate man. Well, He says in verse 49, Sir, come down before my child dies. So this, this is a powerful man, and this powerful man comes to Jesus. And, and as he comes to Jesus, this powerful man commands Jesus to do something. Uh, and there are two things happening, I believe, at the same time in this this person, I think this official who has much power, who used to tell people what to do, he's leaning into that. And I think it's natural, right? And we probably would lean that way too if we were used to exercise that kind of power. But there's also a desperate side of this man coming out. His child is sick and nothing has worked. He has probably already exercised his power and his position to bring in the best doctors of their time and they have all told him the same same thing. Your child is going to die. So this, this man is a desperate man. Suffering and death were approaching. In a lot of ways, this man had everything but one thing, right? The health of his own son. And I, and I get it. Like I get it. I have 3 kids, and if any of my kids have fever, I freak out a little bit. Even though we have modern medicine. Like if my kid falls off a bike, I feel that pain inside. One time Isaiah fell off his bed and his his head and his head was bleeding and I literally wanted to run to the hospital hospital with him in my arms. Seeing your your kid hurting is horrible. Seeing your kid dying is devastating. But Job 5, verse 6 and 7 says this, For affliction does not come from the dust, nor does trouble sprout from the ground. But man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. And no one knew that better than Job himself, right? Pain and trouble are like sparks of fire that fly in every direction, catching everything alight around them. And when we're born, we're born into a world that's already aflame. Death, sickness, pain, and suffering, they don't take a day off. We are born to trouble, as the book of Job says, as the sparks fly upward. I mean, mean, there's a pandemic that we're living through and trying to navigate life in, and it has affected everyone one way or another, but pain and suffering during this time don't take a day off. They don't take a day off and say, since I already made life pretty hard, I'll take a break. Like even in pandemic, cars still break down. Basements still flood. Loved ones are still diagnosed with cancer. In fact, when our senses are heightened, like they are right now, even slightly bad news can cripple us. It's like the straw that broke the camel's back. And that feeling of hopelessness is the feeling that this man has as he is approaching Jesus. So you can imagine the pain that this man must have felt been feeling. You can only imagine how hopeless he must have felt. You can only imagine how desperate he really is. His kid is dying and he's at the end of his rope. So when grief, death, and destruction are knocking at your door, or when the ugliness of your own heart starts to bear its deadly fruit, hope is around the corner. Hope is around the corner or as John said in chapter one, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So when you are at the end of your rope, when you are at the lowest of lows, when you realize that there's no way out, when you realize how broken you really are, when you realize that money is not enough, those are the moments when you look up and see the light Because when everything is dark, you need the one who gives you hope. You need the Savior of the world. You need God who became flesh, the one who made everything, the one who took on himself the sins of the world, the one who took the punishment and makes us clean, the one who took death and put it in its grave. In other words, we need the one who says, as verse 50 says, Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. We need a God who says, I will give you life, and I will give it abundantly, as John 10.10 says. Go. I got you. So what are you worried about? What are you worried about? Jesus says, I got you. What are you fearing? I got you. What healing do you need? I got you. What sin are you struggling with? Jesus says, I got you. Because this man was desperate, and in desperation, he comes to Jesus and is almost begging Jesus to heal his son. And Jesus says in verse 50, go, your son will live. And, and this man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Verse 51, as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. And so he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. So Jesus heals this boy. But we don't see the healing. In fact, the official leaves believing but not seeing right he's walking home with nothing in his hands no special potion no healing object jesus even it isn't even going with him back to his house he just he he just had jesus promise jesus promise that his son will live that's all he has but his servant meets him and tells him everything that went down. He tells him exactly when his son felt better, the seventh hour, or one in the afternoon, the fever left him. And the, fa- the father knew that that was the hour when Jesus said to him, Your son will live. And something to notice about the way Jesus performs this miracle. Jesus, Jesus is not willing to become a genie for this man. Jesus declares his son well. The fa- father doesn't see it happen. He is walking in the unknown for a bit. He's walking in the unknown. He can't just, he, he can't just shake Jesus like a magic eight ball and get his answer. He has to walk away trusting Jesus. And as we see the story unfold, we, we witness something incredible. We witness the authority that Jesus has. The man's son is healed. Jesus said to the virus or the bacteria, go. And the son was healed at the exact time Jesus spoke those words. But get this, it was 15 miles away. And in this world where we are born to trouble... As the sparks fly upward, this is such good news. This is such good news that Jesus has the authority to say to the sickness, go. Tim Keller says that Jesus' miracles are not just a challenge to our minds, but a promise to our hearts that the world we all want is coming. The world that we all want is coming meaning the world where Jesus rules and reigns, the world that doesn't have a suffering and pain, the world where where tears are no more, and that world will be here one day when Jesus comes back. And in some way, moments in history like today with a worldwide pandemic, it should make us feel even more strongly the desire for him to come back and make all things new. The book of Revelation end, ends by saying in Revelation 22:20. He who testified to these things says, Surely I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. These words have been put into many songs, and you probably have said that in your prayer life before, but one of my favorite, favorite songs goes like this, with these words. It says, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come again to claim your own. Come to reap what you have sown. All creation weeps and groans for you. It is to you that we belong. It's to you we lift our song. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. You see, as as you are dealing with your personal sin and darkness, as you deal with the sin and darkness and sickness of our world, this text gives us hope. And will you run to Jesus when you are desperate? And will you believe him without seeing? This man did. This man did. And verse 53 tells us, and he believed, he himself believed, in all his household. He didn't just believe Jesus like the rest of the, the culture around him did, right? Or the city, right? Like, no, he he, he believed those around him who only wanted the gift, but not Jesus as a savior. No, he believed himself as as he believed him as the Son of God, the, the authority over all things, who has the authority to heal. He believed Jesus as his savior. This man shared about Jesus to his wife, to his kid, to his son, right? And his workers and the whole household believed in Jesus. So no matter how dark things might seem right now. Jesus is the light that destroys darkness. No matter what you are experiencing, Jesus is enough. No matter what brokenness you see, Jesus can heal. I want to end with something from the beginning of the story. I want to end with something from the beginning of the story. Jesus goes to a city that won't honor him. Sure, they welcome him, but they won't honor him. And he still goes. He still goes. Uh, Do you see the grace in that action? And isn't that the story of the of the Bible? Right. People fall. People sin. We fall. We sin. But God joins this creation. He's a God who came to be with us. He intentionally goes to a city that won't honor him. He intentionally goes to a place that won't love him as a savior. And he does that with great purpose. God is after a people who won't honor him to give them new hearts, to give them real hope, to change their hope from hope in money or things or health or whatever it is, to hope in a person. To hope in Jesus. In the middle of darkness, may we put our hope in Jesus. May we welcome him in places where we feel anxious or angry or lonely. And may we honor him in our response to these things. May we trust him without seeing. He is still king. And he is a God who keeps his promises. May we trust him without seeing. May we trust this kind of king. Let's go in prayer to this God. Let's pray. Father, we all are feeling things, we all are experiencing things. And in the midst of this, there's a word from you to us that you are a God who got us. You are a sovereign king. That, that speaks healing into existence from fifteen miles away. And uh, God, as we are feeling all these things, I pray that we believe that you are able to heal. I pray that that you can heal some of our anxiety and fears. God, I pray that that this this pandemic will be over soon. In the midst of this, that we trust and rest and run to you as this desperate man did. Move our hearts that way. We need you. We need you. Pray this all in your son's beautiful name.